This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Table Flipping. I'm actress Taylor Mishak. And I'm writer Alyssa Littman. Join us as we sit down with guests to unpack how the fascinating, messy women of reality TV have shaped our lives. And of course, dish about Bravo, The Bachelor, and everything in between. Thanks Thanks for for listening. Happy Friday, Alyssa. Happy Friday. Okay, really quickly, you guys. I have to tear Spectrum a new one because we're moving and they were supposed to transfer our service and they didn't do it. And I was on the phone with them for so long this morning and they couldn't resolve it. So now Mike has my phone and I have no notes for the pod. So I'm just flying blind going from some foggy memories that I was maybe stoned, maybe drinking wine while I watched reality TV this week. I know. You guys didn't know how academic we were about this bitch. (laughs) We've got notes in front of us. So many of mine, though, are like absolutely nonsensical. Like, especially if I write them at the beginning of the week, I'll be like, if I write down these three nouns, I'll absolutely know what (laughs) thought I had on Friday morning. And then I'm reading my notes like, who, what drunk ass bitch wrote this note on this phone? Like, what, how am I supposed to decipher what I even said to myself? But don't worry. We have so much to talk about. And yeah, fuck Spectrum, dude. That's crazy. Like the other day I had like a super important Zoom and then the internet went out and I was like, un- you know, plugging things, unplugging things, like running around. And then I finally call them and they're like, oh, yes, there was a scheduled outage for your <gasps> area. And You're I was like, like what do you mean a whom? scheduled oh, outage? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On for whom? Mid work day. Like, I don't understand. And why wouldn't you? Can you give us a heads up? It feels like if you knew you should tell people. It's just bonkers. Yeah, it's, this podcast not sponsored by Spectrum. Let me not tell you. sponsored by unless uh, Spectrum. If you actually want to pay us, to, that would be we fine. will take your money. You <laughs> owe us money at this point. Yeah, we'll just be taking our money back. Oh man. Okay, I want to. We haven't talked a lot about the Bachelorette because we, it's just like not tickling our fancy. Let's say at least not yet, right? But yeah. What I will say is there is like some, uh, you know, uh, around the show drama that strikes a, a, a chord with me. It's <laughs> hits a nerve. Uh, I've complained a lot on the pod before about people claiming people, people calling actors liars. Like, well, if you're an actor, you must be a good liar. Like, fuck off, Steve at the bar. Like, that's not true all of the time. And there is this front runner for Katie, Greg, who's so darling. And they went on like the one on one fishing date last week. He's like this week. I think she was like, I'm pretty much falling for you. Like she, he's like in the lead. And then I saw something on Instagram that was like huge news. Greg went to acting school in <laughs> New York. Therefore, he is a dirty, rotten liar who is not here for the right reasons. He's here for his acting career, which let me like what person launched their acting <laughs> career from the bachelor bachelorette franchise people like what do you mean like it's so stu- and also he is obviously went to acting school look at him he's so he was like a cute little musical theater boy oh my is God. he not he's so the guy that you're like oh you're straight okay and then you're like yeah. oh you're my best friend oh i'm in love with you oh you had you did the same thing to three other girls in the program okay cute no we did all have sex with you and now our feelings are really hurt that's exactly it if you want to have beef with him for going to acting school Alyssa hit the nail on the head and there's nothing more to it it's just so silly to me especially in this season where there's all there's the only drama is about men being here for the wrong reasons Mm -hmm. and then to be like and greg is too because he's interested in acting like grow up people also just like i think this is the larger problem with my with the bachelor franchise for me it's like 
guys, why are we pretending everyone isn't here to be Instagram famous? Yeah. Like, this is bullshit. Of course you yeah. shouldn't be going around saying, I want to be the next Bachelor. But to act like you're not all here to quit your jobs and sell us some fucking spawn con is just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> So those are, I mean, that's my only thoughts on The Bachelorette this week. Yeah. <laughs> We've discussed that it is our, like, folding laundry, packing things show right now. Um, but I'm still on it. I'm still loyal. I'm watching. And uh, we hope to go on. We're going to do Trust the Bachelor process uh, in a few weeks. Yes. Which is going to be fun. Yeah. Our, our nice little sister pod. Moving on. Could we talk about Roni this week? Yeah, okay, so here's, okay, so we have said, like, okay, please, we are not the experts on race, and we, I don't know how to navigate this, right? But I've seen a Mm -hmm. lot of people talk about how, you know, this is, this is what Housewives is. They take real issues with dumb, rich women, and it's funny, and it's sad, and it's interesting, right? And so, I don't, I'm gonna try to be better about not, like, shying away from saying the wrong thing in the context of Housewives, because I think this should be, like, part of that canon, part of that campy, serious, heartbreaking, funny, wrong um, situation. And I think this conversation between Ebony and Ramona was like a perfect example of that because Mm. uh, Ebony is an incredible housewife for pushing so hard and not giving up one-on-one with Ramona when she has nowhere to go. You know what I mean? Yes. No, put everything you just said on a shirt. I love it. I couldn't agree more. And yeah, that scene felt so perfect in every way and the like it Ramona you've got to admit that for the daughters of America Kamala Harris being a vice president would be phenomenal and to be repeating it like over and over and over again and instigating like a a fucking fight with her over it I loved it I was here for it I think it's amazing and yeah it felt like a, a classic great housewives moment like it could all it could all it could all be everything which is fierce yeah also how what a dingus ramona like i i don't want to talk about politics i don't want to talk about politics shut up so yes you do you're partying with eric trump in the hamptons like what are you talking about you love politics you just don't want to be called racist on national tv also like (laughs) um i i will say Kind of to what you were just speaking to, to to just to play devil's advocate for Ramona. You guys all know where my politics lie. It's not a secret. But if I'm, if it was the other way around and it was like, oh my God, isn't it so great that Sarah Palin is going to be the first female vice president? I'd be like, no. And so, you know, that was a little bit of like a sort of, you know, pouring gas on a fire by Ebony, which yeah. I appreciate. I but do that's appreciate what I'm, it. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I'm loving it. That's what I'm, yeah, I'm completely here for it. I think it's fun too, the, the like, the pros and cons of uh, Harlem Night, I think, was yeah. so funny to watch. Um, I love A Hungry Housewife. I love A Hungry Housewife. It's a housewife sitting there being like, when is the food coming? It's yeah. always <laughs> funny to me. So also, I think it's great. Thank you so much, Bravo, for knowing that we want to see all of them try to walk down those stairs before the party. Like, that is what <laughs> makes Bravo brilliant, is those little details. Like, the watching them order food at restaurants and watching them being like, are you fucking kidding me? Like when they're wearing heels. (laughs) I just love it. I love the editors. Sonia being like, I'll have to just sleep over. Not that I haven't done that before. (laughs) (laughs) What a gift. She's always on. They must put her microphone on. She must sleep in her microphone. Like that's a woman you've got to have mic'd immediately. Everything she says is gold. Yeah, I also loved Ebony being like, the best part is you were going to leave your own house. And I was like, I don't know how to lock up. I thought that was so funny. (laughs) I thought, uh, yeah, I feel like we've, you know, I personally have been like, I don't want to make light of a very serious topic. But I'm actually, I feel like I'm getting in a groove with Bravo, like bringing this to the table. How do you feel about it? I feel the same way. I think it was, I really loved the, the sit down uh, lunch with Ebony and Leah where Ebony talks about feeling that that pressure and how she's working with having this role of like wanting to enlighten the, her fellow cast members but also doing it in a way that makes her feel good about herself and her identity and her work and like I think just to, to talk about it dead on is so was like 
really great because like you said it made it feel more it's just like a more honest version of the show Mm -hmm. to address something like that head on which I loved um because we're sitting here talking about it for the past few weeks of like oh my god it just has got to be feels like so much tokenizing of ebony and there's just like so much responsibility and it doesn't feel very fair and to just like give her the floor to talk about it is the right thing to do and it makes so much sense yeah and answers a lot of questions and I'm like oh great um, and it makes it us. I feel like I learned a lot more about her in the episode, too, instead of like a role that she's being forced to play. It feels more authentic to herself. Mm-hmm. So I love it. Yeah, I think for it's sure. I think it's great. And yeah, I loved the really uncomfortable Ramona Ebony date afterwards. It's just too good. I think it's great. Um, <laughs> let's talk about uh, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. What do you think about this I'm episode? Did you love it? it? I'm yes! loving it. Yes. Kathy ordering a regular Coke. I am here for a regular Coke. She doesn't want diet. She doesn't want Coke Zero. She's like, I'll just treat myself to 52 grams of sugar. Thank you so much. Woo! I love it. <laughs> um, the Scott Disick conversation oh. is amazing my god can i say that there is nothing more lisa renna than lisa renna in a lip jumpsuit (laughs) and a lip covid mask (laughs) saying my daughter has a new headline like it's so lisa renna i cannot get over it to go to repeat herself 14 times going (laughs) i don't want to make a thing of it I don't want to make a thing of it. I don't want to draw attention to this. And then at every moment, I think she said Scott 15 times in this episode. Like, it, the party with them at the end, and Dorit just, like, comes out of the bathroom, and she goes, we're talking about Scott Disick, Dorit. It's like, yeah, no, we know. We fucking know. And then Dorit says, mazel. And Kathy oh says, Merry Christmas. Oh like, Kathy has no idea what Mazel Tov well, means? Well, Kathy's never spoken to a Jewish person because she's too, like, Anglo and rich, I guess. I don't I, know. I, that's insane. It's so insane. That's just because you they live in L.A. Look, to be fair to Kathy, they still don't let Jews at her country club. So, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. I love her. I love her so much. The idea that she was like, Yes, Mazel Tov is like, congratulations, good for you, Merry Christmas. I'm like, Yeah, it's like Merry Christmas. That's what it is. It's just everything. No, everything is everything to you, Kathy. And speaking of Kathy, her reaction to this Scott Disick news is just like so perfect. I want to put it in a bottle and wear it. Like, it's so funny when she's like coming from somebody with a daughter in the public eye. It could be worse. It's like, (laughs) fuck yeah, dude. Also, what? Okay, so what's your soundbite? They did. They did the, like, what would I do if my 18-year-old daughter was dating Scott Disick? And there was the, like, I would go lock her in her room, take her phone, and spank her. And then there's the Kyle, like, I wouldn't allow it. Like, what do you mean? Okay, but Alyssa, you're the mom. Your daughter is 18. She's dating Scott Disick. What do you do? Really quickly, they were comparing her actions to, like, a 28-year-old Erica marrying a 50 year old Tom right yeah and like I can tell you right now that there's a huge difference between me at 19 and me at 28 you know like that's Mm -hmm. a completely different decision making mechanism and I don't think anyone would be dating Scott Disick if they were 28 um but I don't know as a girl who was like very boy crazy and very rebellious and made a lot of bad choices in my partners I do have to say I feel like the harder you push against it the more it'll stick you know so yes and also then you're gonna get him in his in her ear and you as a mom want to be a trusted source not like the enemy so uh-huh. i get it it's like you gotta you gotta play it cool it is disgusting um she is a <laughs> child so i yeah yeah i don't know that i would be like so warm and fuzzy to scott but i would be with my daughter i'd be like yeah talk to me about how you're feeling yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, you gotta keep you gotta keep her close. I also think of at times when I was like boy crazy and rebellious as well. I was the shadiest stuff I was doing was like behind everybody's back, behind my parents' right. back. So to at least while there's so many other concerns I'm sure that come with like being in headlines, the 
the amount of information that you would have by nature of everybody being famous and everything sort of being out in the open is more helpful than than you know if she was just sneaking around but it is gross i keep forgetting that she's 18 19 i think she's 19 now is she in the show she 19 yeah i mean either way it's crazy i there's things that like i agree with yeah i feel like it's like a completely different person than i was like 10 years ago but i'm also even truly this week i was rethinking something like a boy a high school boyfriend had said to me mm-hmm. and i like unpacked a lie that i or like something that he had like tricked me and i'm literally about to be 30 <laughs> i just realized Can that I, something he said was a lie and i'm I like don't... that's bananas that happens to me all the time i don't know if this happens to you as well but there was like certain movies or shows i was not allowed to watch in high school or whatever because i'm the firstborn and my parents were very strict and boys would say stuff to me like especially from louie right they would say Uh. stuff to me that i thought they came up with like they were making a joke (laughs) years later i'll see an episode of louie or like fucking anchorman or something which i did see Uh. and i'll be like what the he didn't make that up like it happens to me constantly and my wow is so funny also i'm a fucking comedy writer so shame on all of you assholes yeah to crush fuck that. you guys that's so so funny what a yeah what a specific level of deceit per- perfect for yeah. you <laughs> i'm like oh god uh, shame on me for having such low standards as like, what's funny <laughs> Um, I also wait this episode before we move on touches on my like original Broadway theory of uh, Tom not going and seeing Erica in Chicago and I know it's just like a selfish thing because I like I'm proud that I had this idea over a year ago but like that does feel like writing on the wall to me in in the sense of like there was not happiness in their marriage do I still think the the divorce is completely tied into everything that's going on with them legally and financially of course but I can't I can't say like that's if you're if you you even like your wife you see her on Broadway you just do that it's crazy or if you want people to think you like her it doesn't matter if you like her yeah that's crazy good for you yeah so that That still hurt my feelings for her it made me sad for her but I was like that's that's still legit but I'm still gonna hold your feet to the fire about everything else also we should do a spa day like what they what Sutton and Erica did I know. is it healthy to do cryotherapy back to back with a sauna I don't know I was thinking the same thing I was like, and was the know... camera in there no I think it was on the outside I think the glass was just very clean. Also, it's very interesting to me. This is something that I struggle with, too. So it's interesting to see it in Sutton, right? So I have had to work on in therapy that um, people should like you for who you are and not what you do for them, right? And Mm. that's a very hard thing to do, especially when you're, like, a helpful person. And Sutton clearly Mm. has, like, a fuck ton of money to spend on everybody, and it's mm-hmm. interesting because Erica's receiving it. Like, her love language is clearly gifting or something. Yeah. And so she's like, Sutton, you're just a warm, you're such a warm-hearted person. Nothing you do is wrong because you rented out a whole spa for me during the pandemic. <laughs> so I love watching these, like, unhealthy behaviors play out and, like, treat each other to, you know, each other's psychoses. That's such a funny thing to notice. You're so right. Because, yeah, Sutton is, like, constantly bringing all of these gifts and, like, showering people in things. And I did think that the divorce kit was sweet um with like the chips yeah. <laughs> just bringing out chips and being like i just like these chips <laughs> like, that's yeah, funny sure. um but yeah erica has no problem being like oh thank you so much love all of this yeah she's definitely that's her love language mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. interesting um oh my god the key <laughs> I didn't get to watch it because my fucking cable was out this morning. So I watched oh the first my half. Gosh. You have to tell me. Let me tell you. I love this opportunity to to have the gift of telling you that. <laughs> okay, so Juliet approaches Max, Kelsey's ponytail boyfriend, mm-hmm. at the bar mm-hmm. after a whole fight already goes down between Camille and Jordana. And Camille pushes Jordana in the pool and all the girls are screaming at each other. And I'm thinking, this is good. This is a good cat fight, but it's it's not 
it's not hardcore siesta key, right? It's not hardcore. You push a girl in a pool in her swimsuit. I've seen worse. I've done worse. But then Juliet goes, no, no, this is my show. This is my show. And this is siesta fucking key. And she goes up to Max at the bar, starts flirting with him. So obviously, like textbook flirting. Kelsey walks over and was like, Juliet, why are you fucking flirting with my boyfriend at this bar? And she's like, you're being so possessive and, and jealous, Kelsey. Like, oh, if I'm not allowed to talk to him, why don't you take your pet away? How about that? Oh and they launch into this fight where Juliet is immediately off the handle. And Kelsey is like leaning against the bar with her elbow, very steady talking, very calm. But it's just like coming back at her. They start fighting. It somehow escalates illogically into Juliet calling Kelsey desperate, thirsty. She's like, you're so fucking thirsty. And she th- threatens. She goes, if you don't walk away in a few seconds, I'm going to throw this drink in your face. And Kelsey's like, do it. I dare you. And she's like, I'm I'm serious. It's like five, five seconds, Kelsey. And she goes, I do it. I could honestly, I could use the drink or something fucking weird thing. Throws the drink on her face, takes another drink, throws a second drink on her face, Alyssa, two drinks, throws two drinks on her face. Then, of course, everybody's coming over and they're like, what the fuck? What's going on? And they're like trying to pull them away. Kelsey's like, you want everything that I have. And Juliet's like, you're just a thirsty bitch. And then Juliet forms a full fist and punches her in the face. And Kelsey's face is bleeding. Did Kelsey get a punch in? No, oh, see, not even I one. Kelsey, that sucks. What? Two drinks in the, to the face and a punch, and she told you she was going to do it, and you got nothing? Nothing. You didn't prepare anything. It's so it's so intentional, though, what she's doing to, like, let her implode. Yeah, I think she yeah, saw yeah. from a mile away that she was the per- first, the perfect amount of drunk. I think she's just, she wants her to just be a fucking mess, because this is her whole, her whole angle right now, is like, you're not a good person when you're dating Sam and blah 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 oh and when she when Kelsey's being pulled or when Juliet's being pulled away she goes I'm gonna sell so many more swimsuits ah, than you I love that <laughs> that's the perfect thing to say that's yeah the perfect thing to it's say. it was just so quintessential <laughs> I was like this is it this is the icing on the cake that is Siesta Key you know what I also respect about Siesta Key so all these other fucking shows that we watch that are inferior um, they will tee up that shit over and over oh, and over yeah. again for weeks. And you're like, when are we going to, we got to get through this slog so I can see one person get punched. This show, no, I had no clue that was going to happen. They didn't tee mm-hmm. it up. They're like, we just know we got the goods. We just know mm-hmm. you're going to keep watching because anything can happen at any mm-hmm. time. Excellent um, point. It's an excellent point. Yeah, you had texted and you were like, well, I just didn't catch the end of Siesta Key. And I was like, that's probably fine. And then the pool fight happens and I'm like, oh, shit, there's more coming. And then she punches her in the face. And then, of course, it still shows the, the next morning she like wakes up with Sam and she's like, I can't believe that I did that. (laughs) (laughs) She's so evil and crazy. And I feel like everyone must have had to like sign their rights away to be on this show. Because how is there not multiple assault lawsuits? Yeah. And like, it's just, she made her bleed. She's punching her with a fist. Like, it's just crazy to see. Wow. Imagine that. Imagine going to a party and like. There's just a constant high probability that you're going to get punched in the face. Like, like that's that's what these people are. That's their life. That's just like living in Florida, though. That's my impression (laughs) of Florida. (laughs) Mike always rags on me because I have, you know, I'm from L.A. And I have probably like a very posh opinion of myself and like a pretty low opinion of every other state. And that's who I am. And so I'm just going (laughs) to spout them. If I have an opinion, if there's a stereotype, then you guys let me know if I'm wrong. Just blow <laughs> blow me up in the DMs if the punching is not accurate to Florida. <laughs> oh, man. I I fucking, what a gift Siesta Key is. I can't get over it. It's I so know. good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of so good, we have such a good and juicy and fucking kick-ass interview this week um, that I'm super stoked on. So I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. (laughs) 
are so, so stoked, and I in particular am like extremely fangirling, to have an incredibly special guest with us today. She has appeared on three, yes, three seasons of Survivor. She's been on Redemption Island, Caramone, and my personal favorite, Game Changers. She is a beautiful badass on every season and is so inspiring. She now works as an incredibly charming host, and one of the many places that you can watch her is on People Mag- Magazine's digital series, People in 10, where she interviews like so many cool celebrities. Andrea Belke, welcome to Table Flipping. Thank you for having me. You are so sweet because the funny thing is, I'm a fan of yours. I've Don't. watched you in Dave. And Don't. <laughs> what? No, I'm just saying I'm like it's red. funny. <laughs> no, it's just funny to hear you say that you're a big fan because I've watched you and I think you're so cool. Oh my God, that's the coolest thing ever that's ever happened to me on this podcast (laughs) especially because I mean I know a lot of our listeners know I like really really got into Survivor this past year and a half like when Alyssa and I first started the pod neither of us had really watched it and it was actually one of our first episodes we had a really talented writer come on and talk about it and we were asking so many questions just from like a muggle's perspective because we weren't super fans and my like survivor is just like what got me through quarantine so like not only am I fangirling over you but it's like very fresh in my mind it's all very new to me um so it's just like very exciting to kind of jump in on it now in the pod coming from like a very different place as like a viewer um because I just think you're so badass thank Um, you it's crazy how many I was just gonna say it's crazy how many new fans survivors picked up during the pandemic Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I get, you know, usually you you do Survivor, the fans love you, and then they forget about you after the next season comes out. But because they didn't have a season of Survivor, I think, and because of the pandemic, everyone was binging so much TV, there's Mm -hmm. been just so many new fans. Even people that I worked with over the years that never really cared to even try to start Survivor, all of a sudden they're messaging me saying, oh my gosh, Andrea, I'm watching you on Survivor. And it was like, okay, you had you know eight years to do that but yeah it's it's cool so it's it's really nice when I hear people getting into it now that would be so surreal if you knew like to watch you as someone you know like to go back and just see like your friend or your coworker doing all of the crazy insane things that you do on this show that's wild to me if I met someone and they were like oh I was on Survivor I would be like oh I'm gonna go watch that immediately I'm leaving this interaction to go watch you do that's such a trip Yeah, it's cool, but also I just kind of cringe, too, because, (laughs) like, I mean, my first season I did 10 years ago. That's, I don't know who that person is. So it's interesting when people say, especially when employers will say, oh, I'm watching, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, it it wasn't me, it wasn't me, but (laughs) they usually have a good reaction, so it's fine. It, because you, okay, you've been on three seasons, and, like, what is the difference between I have to imagine that what you're kind of like excited about and what you're scared of sort of has to change each time based on your experience, right? Like from the first time you're going versus the second and the third, like what is your mindset? What is the most like intimidating and what's the most like enticing when you're on your way there? Well, the first time you play Survivor, it is you're shell shocked because you don't know what's going on. There's so many things to think about. You're on camera 24 7. You're so nervous. You don't know how to start a fire. You're thinking about all the survival <laughs> aspects. And by the time you play three times, I mean, I don't think I even made a fire once my third season. Like my, fir- <laughs> my first season, I was trying so hard to prove myself. I wanted to prove that I was a hard worker and I was a farm girl. And then by season three, I like barely could open a coconut. So because you realize that you realize people aren't going to vote you out for being a, they're not going to they're not going to keep you around for being a hard worker. They actually might vote you out for being a hard worker and being mm. helpful and likable. So things kind of change. And also, you know, your first season, you don't really talk strategy right away. You're just getting to know everybody. It's very friendly. And then by season three, people are talking strategy within minutes of landing on the beach. Yeah, I mean, especially in Game Changers, like that just has to be like so much more intimidating because you're like, oh, everybody here is like a big player, including you. Like, is that a crazy feeling? 
Yes, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I so when I got to Game Changers and I was put on a tribe with Sari, I was mm-hmm. the one I was fangirling majorly because I love her. I would do anything for Sari. So I immediately wanted to be in an alliance with her, which was kind of a mistake because I was attached to her. So all the guys wanted to vote out Sari first, and I was pretty much going down with the ship. So if we would have lost, then it would have been Sari or me going home first. So luckily we didn't lose. I was going to say, do you remember what you were most scared of um, when you first got there? Like, what was your biggest fear playing the first time? Definitely being voted out first. Mm -hmm. I think everyone has that fear. Everyone just doesn't want to be the first person. And it's not, I mean, look, everyone has to, somebody has to be first. So it's not that big of a deal. I mean, you still get a fun experience. You get a paid for trip by CBS. But I think that's, I think that's the fear of just like not doing the right thing in the first couple days or being an outcast and then actually getting voted off. So that was definitely my biggest fear. I've been really fortunate to get far in the game every time. Now, some of that is luck. It just depends. I mean, sometimes you're on a tribe with people you get along with you know all it takes is one person to not like you or not like your vibe and then you could be voted out so there's a lot of luck that goes with survivor so the people that are able to get along with many types of people usually do the best that That makes makes sense sense. (laughs) (laughs) there's also I, I sometimes my boyfriend and I will joke that it's like for different seasons depending on the cast there is you could truly get through so many weeks as long as there's a couple of annoying people in the cast like (laughs) people will it seems to me it will throw out like strategy just to be like oh my god this one person just like won't shut up like they're just annoying so even any sort of other gameplay or strategy goes out the window because people just all look there's like something so there's so much commonality in being like don't we all agree that this one person is annoying so just by nature of you not being annoying you've got to get through like that's part of the luck right (laughs) yes however the games evolved so much so now you want to bring the annoying person to the end even Mm -hmm. on my first season Rob brought Philip to the end and no one could stand Philip. I actually kind of love Philip. Like I have a soft, <laughs> I have a soft spot for him, and I loved watching other people react to his antics. So I actually like Philip, but a lot of people can stand him. But you know, someone that's a good player would see that and say, "Okay, if I bring this annoying person to the end, then nobody's going to vote for them." So sometimes it actually uh, pays to be annoying. <laughs> For a lot of these, like, how many of these relationships in your experience are, like, are still with you after these seasons? And do they, do they change? Like, is it because, like, the pressures of being on the show and everything are lifted? Do, do, are there, is there sort of a shift? Or is everything that was on the island still very much real? Nothing. Nothing's real. I mean, it's there are <laughs> there are a couple relationships that I still have, but it is really fascinating how you have relationships on the island that at the time and in that circumstance you thought they were your best friend so I thought this girl Sarah was my best friend I thought we were long lost sisters I thought I was gonna go to Iowa and do tailgates with her at a baseball game and then when I was voted out I found out that everyone thought she was their best friend so I'm yeah like that and she's brilliant she's a really good player but sometimes you realize oh that was all fake and that person is really good at faking a friendship Um, but I do have a couple very close friends from each season or there was it's weird because it even goes the opposite there were some people out there I couldn't stand on the island but then outside of the game they're lovely and amazing and when you're not competing for a million dollars you realize you have a lot in common so I've seen it go both ways does that make you just feel like there's so many sociopaths in the world (laughs) like how do you separate from what happened in the game from your normal everyday interactions and your ability to trust people I don't know I mean (laughs) yeah it there is a skill I mean it really you know the first time I think everyone that plays Survivor kind of has to tap into that at some point because you're voting people out and you're being so nice to their face and you Mm -hmm. know they're going home and it's such a cruel feeling when you're doing it you don't feel good about it at first 
then you kind of get addicted to the feeling. So, <laughs> but you, you know, you realize, I mean, the first time you vote someone out on the game, you feel like a sociopath because you're being nice to them. They're coming up to you and they're saying, okay, so we're good. We're good. We're voting for so-and-so. And you're agreeing with them. You're smiling and laughing with them. And you feel so terrible because you realize you're voting this person out. Then you have to tell yourself this is a game and mm-hmm. hopefully they don't take it personal. I've been able to separate a bit uh, and after I get voted off, at first you feel bitter, but you're really just projecting your own disappointment on these other players. Mm-hmm. So whenever you see these people come back during the jury and they're, you know, they're the people coming back and asking questions and being so mean, it's because they're projecting their own disappointment. And I've been able to have a quick turnaround where I realize, okay, it's a game. I'm so fortunate to even have gotten this far. Also, I don't want to look really bad on TV, so I'm going to try to just <laughs> laugh. I'm going to try to laugh about this so people don't think I'm bitter. Yeah. I feel like there that sort of um like there's different casts in my experience of binging oh so many seasons this year where it seems like the group will sort of decide whether or not they're going to take it personally. Like some some of the very last like tribal councils People are like, you voted me off. I get it. Makes sense. And other ones are like, I cannot believe that you did this. I don't know how you sleep at night. And it (laughs) seems like there's sort of like a group sync amongst just like what the general vibe is in the jury. I wonder, too, if what you're saying, like, did you feel any kind of pressure when you're voted off as a woman or even just playing in the game to not appear bitchy to the audience? Yes, definitely. And I know my second, you know what, though, my second season, I truly loved John Cochran and he was my buddy for the game. So I Mm -hmm. didn't I wasn't actually bitter, but I know in my third season, I did take it pretty personal and I really didn't like Sarah after that because I was I was thinking she's a sociopath. Like, how is she able to do this? But she's I don't know. You can't go around calling people sociopaths. (laughs) I mean, I think I think honestly, she's just with her. She's a cop. So like she knows how to like form relationships and do all of that. Like it's a skill set. So I think she just used what she knew and she used it for the game and she won. So um, but that's a really good point. Like, I think deep down you. You are really, really hurt, but you don't want to come across as super bitter or bitchy. And you're right. Sometimes the guys are applauded for this, the, you know, quote unquote mean speeches at the end. And sometimes the girls are called names for it. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's a very, it seems like a very different game in terms of just how people are treated for their gender overall. Like, I am so curious, like, especially for... It always bothers me when people are like, well, we want to vote off like the big tough guys because they're going to be better in the challenges. And I'm like, so many of these women are kicking all of your asses in all of these challenges, which you've done. I've been like jumping off of my couch screaming for you. And so, so many challenges where you're just like kicking ass. Do you did any of that at the time ever bother you that like some of the women would be just like physically underestimated in any of the challenges? Uh, I mean, I think it was almost a good thing to be underestimated, Mm -hmm. though, because then you, I don't know, people were more impressed by you. But it's weird because being good at challenges you think would be a good thing, but you actually just kind of want to be average at challenges. uh, Because then you want (laughs) to fly under the radar. (laughs) Yes, because my biggest downfall is I get to the merge and then I win one of the early individual challenges and then people are always looking for any reason to get someone out that isn't them. So they'll say, Andrea just won two challenges. We have to get her out. She's going to go on a run. She's going to go on a run. So in Caramoan and in Game Changers, I was targeted for being a challenge threat, which I just thought I still think is kind of laughable because I'm not an exceptional athlete. I really am just like pretty above average in most things and I just kind of got lucky I mean the challenges I won I mean one was like stacking these domino things that anyone could have won I don't think it was anything that but you were the fastest at it oh my god also I was was watching you on this freaking like wood pole and then another time you had like a block on your head and you're on your tippy toes and like I have to ask what your background is do you play sports do you dance like 
did any of that come to you naturally or were you just like I'm a gamer and I'm gonna fucking win this challenge (laughs) I mean okay I did play sports in high school and I am athletic so I I've always pushed myself I did high school track and basketball and volleyball um you know grew up on a farm so I did a lot of hard work around the All farm right. mm-hmm. yeah so okay yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm like pretty I am pretty decent <laughs> yeah. I know I always like to I always like to downplay it in case any other survivor players are listening oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um no but it is kind of crazy for me is I never knew I would be so good at the endurance challenges because you never in your everyday life are balancing on a floating piece of wood in the ocean for hours you know you're not how do you practice that no no (laughs) no one's practicing that and I've been able to just click into this I don't know insane endurance that I never thought possible I mean you know especially now as an adult and like way removed from any sort of sports or anything I can barely get myself to go out and run a mile truthfully I like tried it today (laughs) I like have no willpower but on Survivor and like training for Survivor I just become a different person um it's just you know it came back to haunt me but I I think my biggest takeaway from my whole survivor career is I am so much better at the challenges than I ever thought I would be I'm so much tougher than I thought and I feel like a challenge beast and I know that you know it's not like the best thing but like when people call me that I'm like thank you I really appreciate that because that's it's not easy to like push yourself and like hold on to that wooden pole and you're like you're like all your inside of your legs are like bleeding um yeah I mean and then you I, just like jumped off of it that pole thing freaks me out every time I've seen it of you just like starting to slide off and then like Ozzy's shit talking you and then you just like hop off and fall what seems like 15,000 stories from the sky and you get up and you're just like pissed that you lost it's so <laughs> inspiring you just have like such the eye of the tiger in all of these challenges that it like always hypes me up so much what does yeah. wait you said training yeah so like Talk to us about training for Survivor. Like, you know you're going back, and then you just start doing what? Like, puzzles? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, basically. I mean, I'm such an overachiever, addictive personality kind of person. So if I have something I'm getting ready for, I will just go all in. I'm obsessed. So every time Survivor calls me, I just like, okay, here we go. So basically, I just start like really intense workouts, probably twice twice a day. I'm doing biking. I'm doing like all these random things I can think of that could possibly be a challenge. So I know for my first season, I was making fires out in our backyard. Oh I was like, oh I like found, I like. <laughs> Found a bow and arrow in the barn. And I was like, well, you never know. Um, I was like balancing on fences, swimming. Because swimming is actually a weak, a weakness of mine. I mean, I'm decent, but not as good as I would like to be. So whenever Survivor calls, I'm like, okay, here we go. I got to get back swimming. So just kind of thinking of any sort of challenges that could come up. Because as much as you don't want to be that standout star, you also don't want to be the liability. And if mm-hmm. it's early on in the game and you mess up a challenge then you could go home I mean the game has evolved but people will still vote you out if you lost a challenge for them because they're pissed and you said earlier there's cameras on you all the time yeah you forget about it pretty quickly I know my first season it was obviously weird you show up on the beach there's about five cameras on you and your whole tribe and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing because everything (laughs) feels like you're trying to act because you're thinking you're thinking about what you're saying you're trying to be I mean I wasn't but people are trying to be camera funny and you know they're just doing that because the cameras are there but when it's your first season you don't know how to act on camera and then after reality sits in or sets in you realize oh if we don't figure out how to make a fire we actually won't be able to boil water and we won't be able to eat if we don't make a shelter we won't be able to sleep we're going to be rained on and then you immediately forget about the cameras because you have so many more important things to be thinking about um, by the time you play a couple seasons, you barely give the cameras a, a second glance. But um, on my on my third season, it was funny because I was having all these conversations with Sari in the shelter. That was kind of our go-to is we 
we'd have like very quiet conversations in the shelter and I kept getting hit by the boom I was like what is I was like what's going on here I mean is this guy a nuke is he falling asleep and then I realized no, no one ever told me but I guess this is a known thing from survivor players that I didn't know is that if you're speaking too quietly they'll actually bop you on the head so I was oh just oh my god I was getting I was getting hit for five days in a row with before I realized what is going on and then I then I I learned I had to talk a little louder another thing that is interesting too that will mess with you is so on on strategy days there'll be maybe like three or four cameras there and you know they'll be filming you talking to somebody and all of a sudden they'll get some radio call and then they'll start sprinting out to the jungle and that'll tell you okay there's obviously an important conversation going on maybe someone is finding Mm. an idol either way whatever we're talking about is really boring so you kind of you pay attention to those things Mm -hmm. I was always curious about that that makes so much sense like whenever somebody is off like looking for an idol and we can see it the audience it means that there's a camera with them so I'm like doesn't some and they're like hope nobody notices I'm looking for an idol and I'm like don't they notice that there's a whole camera that's gone <laughs> like that yeah so crazy can you talk to us about the food I just am so <laughs> interested in the food I think I saw you about to eat a stingray I just need to know like are there times where you just straight up don't eat did you ever feel like sick from having to eat the limited amount of stuff that was available what's happening there yeah the food situation is dire it is it's truly horrible you get there and you have a rice ration depends on the season but usually it's just a little bit of rice and possibly coconuts I think in Fiji where they've been the last few seasons they have coconuts Um, but everywhere else like my other seasons we didn't so all we had was a handful of rice in the morning and a handful at night and you're probably I mean you're truly probably eating 500 600 calories and then and then sometimes if you're on a tribe that is good at fishing we had you know he'll catch a fish or a stingray but then you have to split it so you're barely you're still barely eating anything you feel super sick you feel very weak and then on top of that you have to compete in really difficult strenuous challenges it's it's horrible and then of course that affects everything it affects your body but then also mentally you start to break down because you're barely Mm -hmm. eating so I always tell people because when people ask me well why is it so dramatic I mean why is everyone so and I'm like okay honestly try this out so for three days I I try doing this have 400 calories a day and it's just rice and then also try to compete for a million dollars with really obnoxious people and then you're going to be very dramatic yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how do you stay likable when you're that hungry? I would be like such an asshole to everybody around me. Well, <laughs> so you I would be voted off immediately. Yeah, you stay likable to the viewers with the edit. But other than that, <laughs> I mean, other than that, I mean, everyone sees you be pretty horrible at times. Can you how do you decide what clothes you're bringing? So casting basically puts you in your outfit so that's why you'll see yeah and I wish I wish more people knew that because it's always embarrassing when I play survivor and I'm wearing cowboy boots with a little bit of a (laughs) heel with a little bit of a heel um so yeah they want you to be a certain character so that's why you'll see people in suits that's the lawyer you'll see someone like me you'll see someone like me in plaid and cowboy boots uh because I'm was supposed to be the farm girl and then it was interesting because on my third season I'd already been living in New York for seven eight years and I don't wear plaid or cowboy boots but that's what (laughs) that was my outfit and then you'll see some girls in heels they're they're actually better about the wardrobe now is they're actually letting people bring more clothes but I remember a girl, Natalie, on my on my first season. She was in heels out on the island and a little oh. skim, little skimpy dress. So yeah, but casting chooses because obviously, if everyone could choose what they were going to wear, they were going to they'd be put on they'd be putting on so many layers. Yeah, of course. And I, I'm seeing like different, like you said, people come in suits and they have ties on. And I'm like, who is that <laughs> attached to their suit that they would wear it to an island? It makes no sense. I would just Did be you, like yeah. straight up head to toe SPF, like pants and shirt and hat. Like you've seen my SPF hat, Taylor. It is not yeah, cute. Yes. And I would fully wear it the whole time on TV. <laughs> Wait, they give you guys sunscreen too, right? Yeah. So there's a medical okay. box that is in the jungle and you can go there one 
one person at a time and the cameras won't follow you. So in the med box, you have sunscreen, bug repellent. You have any sort of medication that you're on. There's also feminine products. And I think that's it. So any other personal items? God, has anyone ever used, like, anyone's medications against them in the game? Oh, um, I don't think so. So they – all of the labels and everything is off. So they're just in little packets. Okay. So, yeah. That would be really – that would be bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, why don't you go take one of your Xanax or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, Andrew has a lot of sertraline in here. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, speaking of also horrible, horrible things to use against someone in a game, you were at the, like, very, very shocking and heartbreaking tribal council where Varner outed a fellow contestant, Zeke. Um, how That looks like it made you at justifiably, like, so very emotional. I'm curious if at, like, that day, if anybody, probably not anybody on the crew, but did anybody, like, want cameras to stop rolling did that feel like a moment that went too far in the sense of filming the show uh I mean that was just it was just horrible I know that Varner was you know he was really going crazy at camp because he knew he was going home so he was starting mm-hmm. to say things to everybody that he was gonna blow up everyone's game and he said something to me that is very chilling now that I think about it. But he said, Zeke isn't who you think he is. And I'm, he like, he like alluded to him, like to good, he was gonna maybe yeah. say something. But I never in a million years thought he would do what he did. I, I did not yeah. think, I didn't even, cause at that point it goes outside of the game. So I didn't even right. think that was a possibility. So at Tribal Council, when he started speaking, and I knew that he was going to say that. I just – I started actually yelling. I thought I was yelling over what he was saying, but then they were able – I guess not because in the edit you can hear what he's saying perfectly. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I just remember just knowing that this was just a huge, horrible moment that superseded the game. Um, I mean, a lot of people have brought up the fact that CBS – should have edited that out or they should have they could have they could Mm -hmm. you know Jeff could have said hey we're not doing this right now let's just get back to tribal and you you not not bring it into that so I don't know there's some it's it's just the whole thing was really sad because that's not that's not how Zeke wanted it to go obviously and he's you know I, I I still um, you know, I'm in contact with him and I think he's really been he's been doing great and he's doing wonderful things in his career. So I know he's a stronger person because of it. Because mm-hmm. what choice does he have? It wasn't you know, it wasn't Varner's story to tell. That was just right. I yeah, it just it was horrible. Just horrible. Yeah, it seemed so so unpleasant and I and I feel like my first time watching it, it was at least cathartic for me to have you there being so pissed about it and telling him how wrong it was because then it felt like like people everybody needed to do and you weren't the only one thank god so but it was just one of the most surreal moments in terms of like no this is we all care so much about this game but you just crossed every line that you could and the line is so far like the line is so far and yet you still crossed it it just seems so it's also bad. like a bigger conversation. His whole point was that, you know, people are lying to you. And that's a fundamental misunderstanding of, of what it's like to exist as a trans person. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not lying about how you present yourself. I just think that that's yeah, I just think that that's, that's, that's such a being dishonest. Yeah, it's ridiculous that he would think of it that way. It was also just such a dumb I mean, besides it being absolutely wrong of him to do it was also just a dumb move because what do you think do you think we're gonna say oh well in that case Zeke you're going home I mean like what what (laughs) we would be like I mean of course we were like heartbroken that this happened but like in what what world would we have said oh okay you're right you're gonna stay Varner I mean it's just stupid yeah it is it totally is I mean also, what is – okay, I guess these are, like, two sort of questions, but we've talked a little bit about the edit. When you go back and you are watching, do you feel like, at least for, like, your personal journey, that things are 
kind of told as they went down or it's a little amplified to be a little bit more dramatic. And my follow-up is, is Jeff as, like, sassy and on point as he seems to be on the show? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jeff is so intimidating. And I've I've interacted with Jeff more than the average Survivor player because I've interviewed him for People. I've went I went out to Fiji after my third season and I interviewed that cast and I interviewed Jeff out in Fiji. And I have to tell you, I am always shaking in my boots when I have to interview <laughs> Jeff. I'm because he's just he knows what he wants and it seems like he doesn't have any time for incompetence. So that's wow. the way he is at Tribal Council. Sometimes if he's not getting what he wants, he will stop it down. And he'll say, you have to give me something or I'll never ask you a question again at tribal council. So it's this, yeah, it's this weird thing where you have to somehow divulge information without scaring your alliance. And you don't want to say too much, but you have to say something. So Jeff will be happy, but you don't want to say too much. So your alliance turns on you and doubts you. It's a weird balance. Tribal councils, I'm not, I mean, not a fan. Not a fan. This is like being in a writer's room to me, honestly. (laughs) People will be like, I want to talk shit with you, and if you don't talk shit, then I'm not going to trust you. But you can't talk so much shit that you, you know, ruin your whole reputation with everybody else. Exactly. So similar. So I would be great on Survivor, except for the eating part. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Alyssa, you would really kick butt. I think no, I wouldn't. I would be so bitter. I take everything so personally. I'm very uncomfortable all the time when it's like a little hot or a little cold. I cannot make a fire. (laughs) I. It's yeah. There's absolutely no way so you'd probably be great tv though because oh, that you. would be entertaining <laughs> yeah but wait you also this i can't believe i waited this long to bring it up because i think it's i love first of all it's like my favorite word you had a showmance oh. in your first season <laughs> was like did that feel amped up at all in the edit and, like very much what kind of the show wanted to see or was everything we were seeing like pretty pretty genuine and how it went down yeah so amped up the thing is about <laughs> that so I actually had two showmances because they also played this little showmancy thing with Eddie on my second season and mm-hmm. neither of them were actual well I mean I'm a flirt I've always been a flirt <laughs> but the thing about the thing about the first showmance with Matt is that I actually had a boyfriend on that season so oh. I wasn't really flirting with Matt that's just my I don't know I've always had this very flirty personality and when they cast me on the show casting made it clear they wanted me to be single so I think I kind of knew all right they might be trying to play this up so I was just talking with Matt and yes I did think he was very very cute because he's a very attractive person but there's no you know it that was the that was the extent. I mean, we were kind of flirty. We talked. We wanted to work together. And then he was voted out. So there wasn't really anything more to it. We never dated. It was nothing like that. Um, and then, of course, I was just really worried about it because I came back to my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I mean, they might have, like, maybe made it seem like something happened. <laughs> and oh uh, But, yeah, nothing actually happened with that. It's really easy, though, for the editors to make something out of just a little bit. All they mm-hmm. have to do when they're asking you questions is say – okay, Andrea, so what, how do you feel about Matt? And then you'll say, well, I don't know. I mean, I have a boyfriend, but we get along. And they'll say, oh, no, no, no. But like, I mean, he's cute, right? Then you'll say, oh, Matt's so cute. And then they show Matt's so cute. Then they show you talking. And then they put on like some butterflies and some music. And then there you go, a showmance. And then they show other people talking about you flirting. So all they need is one soundbite from you, from him, from the other players, and bam, it's a whole love story but it sounds like you have to be like less worried about that whole part of your experience when you're actually on the island and playing the game right and it seems like after you leave is when you're like "Ooh, I probably got to talk to my boyfriend about this seems like there's just (laughs) so many things to think about that I feel like being interviewed and being like yeah Matt's cute is like probably the least of your worries right yeah definitely it's interesting because as soon as the season wraps You'll, that's at least for me that's when I start to think about everything I said and mm-hmm. every way they could spin the edit it actually gives me a lot of anxiety I'm not usually an anxious person but with Survivor every time it airs I have 
almost debilitating anxiety because I'm just thinking they're going to show that they're going to show that. And in Game Changers, I had the worst because I the horrible thing happened with the tribal council with Zeke. And then the next episode, he turned on me and that was a shock to me. And so then I vote him out. And the whole time I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be the biggest villain because I voted Mm -hmm. out the person and I actually was like going after him. Um, And luckily they the editing, they showed what had happened. But right. it just depends. I mean, the, the editors have all the power. They can just decide who they want to be the villain in that episode. I got so lucky. <laughs> I got really yeah. lucky. Well, it seems like even on, I mean, there's seasons where they're literally like heroes versus villains. And like they'll arrive at the island and Jeff will be like, you guys are the villains. And of those people, a lot of them are like surprised. They're like me. And it's like it's so clear when you see that, that there is like you're talking about there's so much in the edit of what the show has decided who's sort of going to be the bad guy. I feel like other people really lean into it and are like, yeah, I play a down and dirty game and that's the way it is. But yeah, it's, it's like a fine line between who could be you're just everybody's just being strategic. And so it's sort of in the hands of the editors of who's going to be the villain. Well, yeah, and I should clarify, there's nothing wrong with being a villain because they're they're probably more fun to watch. I think I just will have anxiety about saying something that I didn't mean it a certain way and then it comes across right. as just so nasty, mean, I don't know, you know, any sort of thing that could make me canceled. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just yeah, anything. Because in the heat of the moment, you just say stuff. And again, you are starving. You are losing your mind. And they, they have really talented producers that can get you to say basically anything. Do you oh feel gosh. like you got better at editing yourself or like knowing how your sound bites were going to be used or is it just totally out of your hands and you just have to think about the strategy that's in front of you? I feel like because I work in TV as well, it actually was worse because I kept thinking about the episodes and how they were going to be edited out on the island. So I was very aware of the cameras. Oh, no. Uh, Malcolm went home. This is going to be a bad season. Like I was so in my head about (laughs) the final product instead of just living in the game. So I don't know. That probably was not the best. But you do get used to you. You know how to look look for cues. Uh, mm-hmm. with the with the producers because sometimes they'll drop little hints and the first season you play you'll probably miss all these hints but when you play more you start to listen to their questions and they'll say something like well when you get votes tonight what's your reaction going to be and then you think wait I'm getting votes tonight oh I'm getting votes oh, tonight yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so sometimes intentional or not probably unintentional, the producers will mess up and give you a little hint. (laughs) Wow. Does this change the way – do you watch any other reality TV? Uh, Recently got very into Summer House. (laughs) I I couldn't get enough. I do watch a bit of reality TV here and there. I mean, I've watched tons of seasons of The Bachelor. I haven't watched this season yet, but – um, yeah, like The Bachelor. What else? Um, Does that Big affect Brother. the way you watch The Bachelor in terms of like their their kind of talking head interviews? I imagine are conducted in sort of a similar way. So are you watching those interviews with like a okay? I know that this is a very leading experience. Yes, for sure. I think a big a big thing for me is I don't hate anybody and I think because I (laughs) because which is not very exciting for if I was ever doing a reality podcast like you two it wouldn't be very exciting because I'm so nice about everyone and I'm saying well you know they're in this house they don't have their phone the producers are asking them questions like I make excuses for everybody just because I know how that you know with the editing you can make the nicest person look horrible or you know vice versa um so yeah I don't hate anyone on summer house Andrea? I don't. No, are you wow. serious? <laughs> okay, because even even the unbearable people for most people, those are the people I love watching. It's like the Philip thing. I love mm. watching other people freak out over someone else that they can't stand. So I think that's my enjoyment. So no, I don't even I kind of I kind of like Hannah. <laughs> no. <I'm- laughs> I will say that, especially on Bravo, 
every season there's a different quote-unquote villain and that's what keeps it interesting and there's different alliances and different friendships and in the bachelor it's more like it's set there's one villain and you know who it is there's like a fake villain and then the real villain towards the end and to me that's less interesting it's very it's a little more repetitive so I, I totally see what you're saying yeah and I think too look I think villains are very fun there's a Big difference between a villain and then an awful person who's Mm -hmm, racist, sexist, any of that. Like, those people I actually don't like. So anyone that's racist, sexist, homophobic, obviously, those are people I do not like. Ooh, just hit something. I do not like those people. But but villains that aren't really that problematic, I don't know. I think they're enjoyable. I agree with you. Yeah, there's some of – we're grateful to so many of them for giving us amazing TV. Like, Willis and I both sing the praises of a lot of, like, quote-unquote villains, especially in, like, the Housewives franchises because they're the people who are, like, helping give us a story and, like, dredging up other people's sort of dirty laundry. And it's necessary to, like, the engine of the show. And that is, like, fun and entertainment and different than – and, yeah, anybody being any kind of ist that we actually Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which makes sense. Um. Any last questions, Alyssa, or should we get into what Andrea's got going on? Let's get into what Andrea's got going on. Yeah, where can people – I feel like – first of all, also, I I am very in awe of everything that you're doing in terms of hosting because I've only recently started to do, like, sort of red carpet interview things, and I find them, like, so uh, scary, <laughs> and they could be very intimidating to me. Um, and all of it seems to come like so naturally to you. Did you find like you really liked being in front of camera? Like did Survivor lead you into like sort of the broadcasting hosting world? Or were you it, already trying to do that before? Well, I so I went to school for theater and I was doing more acting and then Survivor came along while I was still in school. And then after doing Survivor and being in New York, I ended up just somehow stumbling into hosting and I found out I like it better and I'm better at it. So I kind of quickly yeah. learned, like, acting, I just don't – I don't think I get it, <laughs> you know? Like, I went to school <laughs> for it. I went to school for it. I was definitely pursuing it. And I would always leave an audition or leave a job and think, was that even good? I have no idea. I think I was believable, but I don't even know. And I think I just never had the confidence. But then hosting – Right away, I was, I'm pretty much self-taught with hosting, um, but right away I started working and I was just getting so much, I was just getting better feedback. I felt confident and I just liked it because I knew I was good at it. So yeah, I, I'm very good at it. Thank <laughs> you. Really, I mean, really, it's I've like watched so much of it and I'm like, oh my God, she's so good. And I have like such an even, like I said, more appreciation of it because I think it could be really challenging. And I think that you're very talented at it. So well, it's, thank it's you. It's great that you found it. Uh, tell people, tell our listeners where they could, uh, find you online. Yes. I feel like I could talk to you both for days. Um, so you can find me. (laughs) So yeah, I host people in 10. It's every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern. That's on people's Instagram and also their Twitter and their Facebook. And I host a couple other things that will be coming out soon. Um, so you can just follow me on Instagram and I usually post everything on there. So at Andrea Belke, it's B-O-E-H-L-K-E. Amazing. Uh, thank you so, so, so much for doing this. I am just like so in awe of having you on this in the first place. Uh, well, thank you for having me. If you ever want me to come back and recap a show or something, I'm so down. Yeah, we're going to maybe next season of Summer House. Oh, like, OK. Or and are you going to be watching Winter House? Oh, I probably will. Yeah, I have to be yes, honest, though. I'm um, I am bummed that Hannah's not going to be back. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, see, we're going to have to do a whole episode on that. <laughs> <laughs>